The transition is coming, y'all. Are you prepared? But before we get into all of that, I really want to take it back to 2009 for a second. Why? Because that's when Gareth really says he feels as though his interesting experience with the army propelled him into everything that he's doing with his company today, Vector. And what are they really trying to do? Well, on top of really wanting to help as many commercial and industrial businesses as possible, they also really want to have this tech platform as a way to automate and recreate a lot of things that were being done manually from spreadsheets to countless data to a lot of meetings back and forth. They really want to make it as easy as possible for you and your business. But on top of that, they're really not in the business of selling anything as one. They consider all commercial viable technology when looking at the marketplace for you and your business to really get the most competitive but fierce bids out there that there is. So with everything that's going on right now in the world today, don't let it pass you by. Really get right on board with it. And how will we do this? Well, we'll start by enjoying episode 163, The Energy Transition. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Down to Business podcast here with Tamar Turner. Once again, I have to sing the praises of Kit Caster. I have to really just thank everyone on the team over there for just the amazing interviewees that they have sent me, just the amazing content. Just I feel like they are really keeping me on my toes. I feel like they're even making things a little bit easier for me. I haven't had to do many reach outs. I haven't had to do much scheduling. They are taking care of everything. And that's why I'm actually able to sit next to Gareth today across from him. However, you're kind of watching us and looking at us. But I'm very excited to have this conversation, just as excited as he was to join us. And I feel like he's definitely going to give us a different perspective today, something that where I feel like it's talked about a lot is something that we just think about. It's never really something that we hone in on or pay attention to until it directly affects us. So I'm absolutely excited to hear what he has to say. On, and just, I don't even want to give you all the words. I'm going to really just let him give everything. But I do think that this could help a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, startups, a lot of different companies out there just the same. So, Gareth, how are you doing today? How's everything on your end? Hey, Tamar. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Excited to uh, get into this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for joining us today. So I know we're going to have some people from your side. I know we're going to have some people from my side. We love newcomers, so I know we'll have some of those along the way just the same. So to bring everybody up to speed, get everybody on the same playing field, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, one? And then two, can you just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gareth Evans, uh, CEO and founder of Vector, also uh, a dad, husband, friend, adventurer, love anything active and outdoorsy. So uh, mountain bikes, motorbikes, camping, hiking, running. Um, and we are building the energy transition platform, which is supporting business leaders around the world to really understand what's possible, who to turn to, where to begin when it comes to the energy transition. Gotcha. I, I think I honestly want to start right there with the energy transition. I have not really... I mean, all my life, really, until I started paying a utility bill, I never really paid attention to energy, I would say. I would say even more so, too, being in Florida has opened my mind up to just solar, the idea of solar. A lot of people do handling out here. A lot of mm-hmm. There are even a lot of companies at my job that hone in on that in different areas. So with you, with this energy transition, how do we coin this term and what does that exactly mean for people like myself who may not really know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I suppose in its simplest form, energy is this kind of magical thing, isn't it? That it, it shows up when we need it. We flick the, the light switch on, we come home, the power's there. Everything seems to be, um, it, it's straightforward, it's easy. Um, but what we don't realize is the complexity behind the scenes and what it actually takes for it to show up when we need it, at the price we need it, and today in a sustainable way that we expect it. And so the traditional way, the way we've all 
being powered for the last 100 years is for utilities and the central grid. We generate power at a big central power plant, whether it be a gas turbine, a coal plant, a nuclear facility, solar, wind, it doesn't really matter. But it's generated on scale. It's sent to us via poles and wires. So it goes down all those big lines that we drive alongside on the freeway. And then it shows up at our house or our business. And up until now, it's served us extremely well. But moving forward for the next 100 years, um, that central grid is starting to become older. So it's harder to maintain. It's becoming less reliable as a result. It's more vulnerable to severe weather events. And as a result of all those issues, the cost of energy is getting more and more expensive for all of us. So as ratepayers, we're having to pay a lot more for that energy. And so we are really supporting businesses to understand how do they manage their costs? How do they manage their energy security so that the power comes on when they want it? And then lastly, how can they do that in a really sustainable way? And I think um, that is going to be achieved largely through the development of what we now call distributed energy. So instead of that central power plant, how can we generate and store energy right where it is needed at our homes, at our businesses? And to your point, solar is a huge component of that, um, but it's not the only component. Okay. I like that explanation. I like that deeper dive. And so now, how does someone as adventurous as you, as someone who just loves the adrenaline rush and everything like that, how do you start a company based around this? What really intrigued you about just energy and about the transition, about kind of want to be ahead of the curve in a sense? Yeah. Awesome question. And I think uh, it is such a, like the distributed and the energy transition opportunity is a really new one. You know, it's, it's been around for probably decades for remote facilities, but for commercial um, delivery at scale, it's only become mainstream in the last few years. And I'd say it's still only the early adopters who are bracing it. Um, but the cost of solar and storage have come down over 80% in the last 10 years. Businesses like Vector are making it more easy for businesses to understand what's possible. So it's really starting to pick up pace and opportunity. But as a result of that, there's probably more opportunities than there are people to do it. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people who want to get into this sector and just coming in with their own background skills and uh, capabilities and being able to transfer them into a very new and young sector. For me personally, I had a really interesting personal experience back in 2019, 2009, actually, after the second Gulf War, I was asked to go into Iraq and uh, support the major oil and gas companies um, to move into the region. And so I was responsible for doing liability assessments for them prior to them arriving. Very dangerous situation, living on the U.S. Army base in Basra, being mortar attacked most evenings, going out with personal protection teams. And I'd say I didn't realize at the time, but it was probably one of the early catalysts for Vector. You know, here we were unlocking some of the biggest energy reserves in the world in the form of oil and gas. And yet the local population who were supporting us was surviving on two to four hours of power a day because their infrastructure had been decimated. That central grid we we're just talking about didn't exist. And so those that could afford it had diesel gensets. Those that couldn't were stuck there trying to survive in, you know, 120 degree heat. Um, how do you live? How do you keep food cool? How do you educate? How do you charge your phone? You know, you realize that energy is the lifeblood of absolutely everything. And so... Fast forward, you know, another 15 years and 
we're starting to see those problems in our own backyard. And people don't realize the synergies between the two. It doesn't take much for that aging grid to start becoming a real problem. And when the power starts going out, um, horrible things can happen, or it just leads to our lifestyles not being able to you know, meet um, our desired needs, wants, expectations. And so um, I, I, I felt with a few people that I was working with at the time, we were working for a large corporate. So this is another point. You don't have to be necessarily an entrepreneur at first. I was a, I've been with the same corporation for about 15 years and with several amazing teammates. We entrepreneurially concocted the business idea, tested it, got the corporate to invest some money, prove the, prove the opportunity. And then after several years of doing that, we realized that we couldn't build the business we wanted within the corporate. So we got them to give us some money to spin out. They became our initial investors, and then we grew from there. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. I was about to say that's that's really an entrepreneurial journey in itself. Starting a a lot of the business owners and the entrepreneurs who I've had grace this podcast, and even myself, you know, we we work corporate jobs that we have at some point, or we use that to fund what we were doing until it became a thing of where they were clashing in the sense, or like you said, y'all couldn't build the business that you wanted within corporate, but y'all were still able to use them to your advantage, get the funding, and then really hit the ground running and propel. Okay, so you spoke about just energy consumption, energy transfer, energy distribution. And honestly, it's everywhere. It's in everything that we do. I'm using a lot of it right now. I have three different monitors set up. I got a monitor on the other side of me. So it's just, you know, it's a lot of things happen. Lights are on everything. When it comes to Vector and who you guys specifically serve, do you hone in on particular businesses, entrepreneurs? Is this residential? Is this commercial? Do you guys kind of have encompass a little bit of everything or do you focus on specific sectors or specific areas? And are you kind of trying to expand from there? Yeah. So our mission is to simplify and accelerate the energy transition and to create profitable and sustainable outcomes. I'd say one of the biggest misconceptions in the market today is that sustainability has to come at the cost of profitability or that gets politicized. I think for the business leaders out there that are embracing the opportunity, they're realizing that one, they can differentiate a business through marketing, through attracting the right employees, the right clients. But actually, on the bottom line, it just makes huge commercial sense, especially in a lot of places in the country. So we, um, the platform we built is sector agnostic, but we specialize today in manufacturing, food and bev processing, mining, oil and gas. These are big, heavy energy users. They've got the largest emission profiles and they also don't want the power to go off. Either it takes them weeks to come back online or they lose perishable products. And so our belief is, is that we can make the biggest impact by supporting those businesses first. And then with time, we can kind of come down the, the, the chain to potentially one day support residential. But today it's all commercial and industrial business. Owners. Makes a lot of sense. And like you said, people who businesses who they, they can't just have the lights go off or it's not just a storm can roll through and we're without power for a couple of hours. That's not going to work for them because they have so much to support that a couple of hours. It could turn into days, weeks, everything of the sort. Now, I guess the experience. Yeah, I just I was just going to say and and it isn't insignificant. You know, I think we're all familiar with the Texas freeze mm-hmm. two years ago. As an example, like Samsung came to the market and said they lost $270 million in that one week of power outages because their manufacturing plant went down, they couldn't produce product, you know, and then it takes some weeks to come back online. And so we think that it's it's like a, a um, almost an insignificant thing, you know, it's a bit of a, 
oh, this is a bit of a pain, but actually it has massive implications from a business perspective. And that's what we really want to support businesses to understand, quantify, and not not just think in terms of how do I switch my utility bill to another energy bill? Like what are the other benefits? And, gotcha. Uh, no, yeah. that when the business impact can be that substantial, it's it's something you don't take lightly. It's something you don't take for granted. You, it's always important to take those necessary precautions and preventative measures to keep things as smooth as sailing because something like that is out of your control. And it's something that you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know what the assistance or the timeline looks like from that perspective. So understood. Now to, to dive a little bit further into that now, what does it really look like when coming into business with Vector? What, what, what can they expect? Is this like a consultation thing? Are you guys just meeting and presenting to companies? Are they kind of coming to you with a problem? Is it a lot of times they don't even realize kind of what they're consuming or distributing and how it could kind of be better? Is it, is, is it really just a little bit of everything in a way of helping businesses, helping yeah, businesses in a sense just realize where they could cut back or what different alternatives they could use to just help moving forward? Yeah, exactly. So I'd say um, we've built a technology platform to essentially um, automate and replace a lot of what was done manually in the past. So a lot of the consulting, the Excel spreadsheets, the many meetings back and forward, exchanging data, not knowing what data existed and where. So we've done that on the back front end. And then on the back end, we've created a marketplace to ensure our customers get firm competitive bids for the systems they want to deploy. And what that looks like is um, our customers today, the biggest challenge for them is they want to run their business. They've never had to think about energy. They're almost in that kind of frog in slowly warming to boiling water and it's starting to boil and they realize that they want to do something, but because they know nothing about it, what do they do? Do you know who do they turn to? What's possible? And so really our platform helps them baseline their situation today where are they consuming energy how much is it costing them what's the emission profile what are their desired objectives and goals and then what are their options for getting there and what's unique about our approach is we're not trying to sell anything we look at all commercially viable technologies solar wind batteries electric vehicles fuel cells gas generators and we help the business understand what configuration of those technologies would help them achieve their objective and a system to reduce cost versus reduce emissions is very different. If they want to balance the two, what are the financial trade-offs? And then we help them kind of scenario plan. What would happen if the cost of fuel changed? What would happen if my utility rates continue to go up 10% year on year? So we help them understand uh, the opportunity. They get a CFO ready business case such that they can all agree on it internally. And then they can use our marketplace to secure competitive bids that are um, apples to apples comparisons such that you're not being sold to by the market because the way the market works today is most of your listeners are probably being bombarded by solar developers you know buy my panels buy my you know battery they don't know who to believe or what to trust and so this gives them a way to get on the front foot and not be passively sold to but actively tell the market what they want them to quote and that really drives better behaviors 30 percent up to 30 percent capital cost reductions and then make sure that they buy the right system that will serve them for the next 15, 20, 25 years. And I'd say the only other thing I'd add is that most businesses don't realize they don't have to pay a penny in some cases for this. A lot of businesses want to come in and finance the systems, build them, own them, operate them, and just sell you the energy back in what's called an energy as a service contract. So now you've reduced your costs, you reduce your emissions, you've ensured some business resilience, and you've not paid a penny. 
and you get to lock in your cost for the next 20 years. Like it, it's an amazing deal. And most people don't even know that that's kind of available to them. And I, I think you even kind of cleared up some things for me in regards to what it really is that Vector focuses on and how they go about that. I love that answer for two reasons. One, because like you said, it's more of a figuring out what works best, figuring out that everybody's scenario and situation is unique to them, their business. What exactly are you trying to do? Are you trying to balance? Are you trying to cut one over the other? Are you trying to save? And I, I like how you... Also, in that you also gave scenarios, because I feel like that's a big question. Yes, you can solve this problem for me now. Yes, we can get into this now. But what does it look like five years from now? What does it look like 10 years from now? Because, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't envision it looking like this. So now I really I still can't envision it because you just taught me all this. What can I do moving forward? So I I like that it almost gives them a security blanket in the sense to say, hey, this is what we're going to match you with. Because like you said, there is so much information out there. Good, bad, all in between. But people, you know, are always going to market themselves as the best or the top of the line. And especially to people when that's not your niche, when that's not your area of expertise. Sometimes a lot of what people say sounds good. I I even talk to a lot of the business owners and entrepreneurs on here. And I'm just like, look, I had nothing. I had no idea about that. So whatever you're saying, I'm, I'm honestly believing it to be true because you know way better than I am. You're the expert here. But for some people, they don't always have your best interest in mind. They just want the money. They want that dollar. They really just want to sell you something, anything. And then they don't hear from you. The check clears. It is what it is. You really don't know what you just did. You just know the numbers are here. Exactly. Numbers are going there. All right. So yeah. with, with what you guys are doing now and just the... I guess in the mind, you always think about just expansion or even like you spoke about wanting to hit different industries and everything like that. How how does this work as far as your clientele? Like, are you guys based? I know that you were based out of California. I know you're in Dallas right now. What does that really look like? Business operations from a I would even more so say, yeah, from a global standpoint, like how do you guys operate? Where are you guys, are you guys headquarters? Certain places are all is, is this all online and like virtual? What does that really look like on the inside? Yeah, I think a blessing and a curse. We started literally a month before COVID kicked in. And so the visions and aspirations of having this team in one office and all being around the whiteboard and ideating together vanished almost immediately. And we became this remote first business. And so, for instance, the guy who leads our marketplace, Calvin, he's based in Melbourne, Australia. The guy who's helping us develop the optimization engine for designing the systems, he's in Toronto. And so... It, it made kind of that initial building a culture, building a team, real-time ideating a bit more challenging. And we've kind of, I think, done a fairly good job of managing that. But on the flip side, it's really opened up our ability to support people all over the world. And so a perfect customer profile for us is someone who's got tens, hundreds, thousands of sites. Um, we primarily do most of our work today in the U.S. because one, the Inflation Reduction Act adds huge incentives. Two, the grid is in pain. Three, a lot of businesses are here. But we follow our customers all around the world. So we've done projects in Africa, Europe, Southeast Asia, Australia, um, and so we mainly just have to make sure we've got the right data inputs for new regions. You know, what are the local utility rates? What are the local fuel prices? Things like that. But in terms of how then the technology works, um, it's the same wherever we go, which is what makes it very transparent. I like that. We love convenience. We love that. Now, <laughs> I, I could imagine that in all the years of doing this and talking to different businesses and doing different demos, consultations, meeting, traveling, everything of the sort, you have informed a lot of people. You've probably talked to people who have no idea what's going on. 
may have a little idea what's going on, but nonetheless, you're still the expert. Some people who kind of know what's going on may do research, everything like that. And we can keep going down the scale as far as like expertise and knowledge. Yep. When it comes to those people who really know nothing, you're really starting from scratch. You're we're really almost even breaking it down like one-on-one type of thing. Do you find yourself or does the business find itself having to debunk any myths or, or just reconfirm any misinformation out there? Or are people just kind of, or is there any... Are there any commonalities with with things that people have brought to you that it's just like, hey, that's not true, or maybe you're reading it from this or getting this from a particular source? Any of those that you can kind of touch on to set some light for the people? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, there's there's several actually. I'd say the first is um, a lot of people think solar is their savior, <laughs> and so um, they throw a few solar panels on the roof and they think that they've um, effectively navigated their energy transition and that they can market it, they can advertise it, that they can reap the benefits of it. And solar is amazing, don't get me wrong, but solar alone these days is becoming increasingly challenged. Um, you're generating energy when the grid is typically at its cheapest, you know, so you, you're generating a huge amount of energy anyway during the peak hours of the day. Um, it's typically at its cleanest, so you're reducing your emissions the least. And um, People think that when the power goes out from the grid, if they've got solar panels, that they can continue to operate. That's not the case, you know, to protect people who would then work on the lines. Unless you get a way of storing the energy, you have to also shut down the solar. So if the grid goes down, your business also goes down even with solar. So then the way you can challenge that is you can put in battery storage, gas generators, things like that, and have a controller that can then allow you to operate in isolation from the grid. People think batteries are too expensive. I'd say that would be misconception number two. Batteries have come down you know, 80% in price in the last 10 years and their capabilities have massively improved. You know, we're now starting to see it in cars all around us and people are becoming more and more familiar with it. But you can do that at home. And the beauty of batteries is now you can um, charge up the battery during the day when you've all got all this excess solar. And then you can use it when power typically is most expensive between four and nine when the sun's gone down and the grid is having to fire up gas and coal and things like that and then you reduce your emissions a lot and it provides you more resilience so batteries are becoming more and more commonplace and more and more awesome all the time i'd say the last one would be that misconception we briefly touched on before that sustainability is going to impact my bottom line and it's going to come at a huge expense to me and as we discussed, you can either go zero money down and get these systems paid for by someone else, or you can finance it yourself. And today with the Inflation Reduction Act, um, see up to 50% tax credits on that. So if you've got a big tax burden, you can offset that. Um, and you can pay these systems off in anything from one to you know three to five years and then be in the money for the next 15, 20 years. And so it's a really awesome way. And I think you briefly touched on this before. Something we also offer our customers is We'll continue to monitor your asset and make sure you're getting what you paid for or what was promised to you. And then secondly, as things change, we'll notify our customers, you know, did you realize your utility rates just changed or the price of solar just came down or batteries just got even more awesome. You might want to think about upgrading your system. So continually to take people on that journey because this is going to be a multi-decade long journey, not just a one and done. Got you. Okay. That, uh, I love that. And even as you were kind of, talking and 
speaking on that, I'm even just thinking of, of some things or, or just sometimes what's promoted to us or what's out there, or what we may not know or what people believe to be truer. Because like you said, the craze and the big push towards solar, it's so imminent here. And it's it's something that, like I said, we were seeing companies just pop up left and right. We were seeing panels go here and there. I'm delivering to different houses. And when I was first working for Amazon, I'm just like, wow, every house has solar panels out here. When I and I, I came from up north though, where that's not the most common thing. Like in, in Philadelphia, when I was moving around, we didn't really see that. It was a row home set. Everything is kind of yep. back to back to back type thing. So that was eye opening for me. Now, something I'm also kind of curious about too is this industry as a whole. Would you say that? And obviously, you guys have been in business for quite some time, so you may even have a differencing of opinions as time has gone. But would you say this industry is populous? Like, and I guess I kind of asked that from a perspective of okay, I started my podcast back in 2000. 19, right? Around the pandemic time, I guess that was just the time to just make something happen. But um, yeah. I, I would definitely say that whereas I didn't really look to many podcasts back then or really know where to start or who to look to. Yes, there were definitely your heavy hitters and just the different shows that you knew about, networks, everything of the sort. But now I feel like the numbers have gone up from Apple to Spotify to different hosting platforms, everything. Has that really happened with this industry and what you guys are in? Do you kind of feel like a lone ranger, a sole competitor sometimes? Is this something where businesses and, and different business owners are trying to get a piece of that pie? What is it? really look like as time has evolved yeah it's a it's a rapidly growing market opportunity sometimes it almost feels overwhelming where literally every building you look at you think they could be a possible customer how can we support them how do we get access to them um i'd say uh, the the base industry is starting to mature you know as you described there's lots of good solar developers out there um so in terms of people who can finance the systems, people who can build them, people who sell the equipment into them, they're all fairly mature and always improving. I'd say the capabilities in the market exist to make huge, amazing impacts today. I'd say the, the piece that we're trying to address is the bit around how do we simplify it for the non-technical buyer, the business owner who wants to get something done, but doesn't want to be sold to by those suppliers, doesn't know who to trust, and then secondly, how do we ensure that the whole market benefits together? There's so much wasted soft cost in this industry today. Uh, like one of the, the major research labs in this industry did a study and they thought between 40 and 70% of project costs today are kind of bloated soft costs, which are your consulting, your engineering, your procurement, contracts, negotiation. So when you think 70 cents on every dollar is going to all of that stuff instead of the actual hardware that you're buying, that's completely unacceptable. And so as a result, less projects are built, less work for suppliers, less opportunity for customers. Because So our belief is by smashing that soft cost out of the system, it'll create more opportunities for everyone, better outcomes for business leaders and businesses around the world, and then more opportunities for suppliers, which then leads to better outcomes, cheaper solutions, and it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. So coming back to your original question, from that perspective, we're building kind of the next generation of marketplaces. We've seen uh, the Amazon $20 book purchase now go to a Kavana $20,000 car purchase to a Zillow million dollar house purchase. Now we want to do, we're building the infrastructure to do that for one to $20 million energy systems. And so definitely we're breaking new ground. It's scary it's frustrating it's exciting all at the same time because there isn't a there isn't a guidebook there isn't a rule book we're gonna build in something um, as it's flying 
all in all in one go. So that's what makes it super awesome. Um, but also means you can go down the, the dark alley without realizing it until it's uh, until you have to scrap something you realize no one actually needed or wanted. So getting staying close to our customers and really understanding what it is that's going to move the needle for them is super important. Got it. Got it. I, and I, man, it's, it's so interesting to hear the, just like you, it's, it's never, it's never all figured out. Like you said, there really is no right way. There really no. is no wrong way. There really is no guidebook or no rule book. And so it really also makes me think about the future. I love the future. I feel like we even kind of touched on looking back into things when you first came into business versus kind of now. You make an interesting point when you talk about the the predictability factor and how this it, there really is no guidebook, there's no rulebook, there's no playbook, there's no blueprint. There are preparations, preventative measures, as we talk about things that you can do. But like you said, five to ten years from now, who knew that? Who knew about a pandemic? Who knew that things were going to happen? So yeah. much, just you know, it's, it's just so much that you can't account for. But what that also makes me think about is the future just the same. So with Obviously, since you've come into business, we even kind of talked about the future, but it would be present here, but future of the business. So I want to kind of go down the line a little bit. I want to go 5, 10, 15 years down the line. And while, like you said, you may not be able to lay it all out or give me every single thing. What does really the future of the energy transition look like? What can business owners, what can startups, what can different companies, what can people even now expect? Or even if there's anything that I would even say, even if you have any advice or insight or things that a business owners listen to this now I even have some people on the live with us listening to are there things that they can be doing to start prepping or to just even looking or even research or things that they should be wary of as we continue to move forward and experience this transition yeah i love it um yeah certainly internally we operate by three core values every day challenge limits um this is a status quo industry the energy industry as we know has you know survived for 100 years but it now needs to be massively disrupted. But with that comes a lot of resistance and complacency. And um, this is the way it's always worked mentality. So challenging limits is critical. Um, empowering co-creations, you know, no one is gonna solve this on its own. This is gonna be a mega challenge. So how do you build the right partnerships? How do you not see everyone as a competitor? How do you make sure that we're all in it together? And then adapt purposefully. I think there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction going on out there and we're seeing businesses being penalized for it. Like Delta was just in the press a few weeks ago because they bought a bunch of carbon credits and they weren't good carbon credits and now they're being called out for greenwashing. So how do we ensure that businesses who are making these really awesome commitments to be cleaner and greener aren't then completely penalized for it and as a result stop doing anything through risk of being kind of ridiculed. And so I'd say the future, as I think about it, is instead of us all being passive consumers of energy today, I think I think of the energy like the web web transition. You know, we went from web one mode where we all got to read only um, content from the internet. Then we're kind of now in that kind of web two world where we get to read and write, we get to interact. But as a result, we've kind of become the product of the whole thing. You know, we're kind of advertised and sold to. And the Web3 world will be where we own our data, we can control it, we, you know, we really drive kind of more of a distributed, equal playing field. And I see the same for the energy transition. And I think that we'll both help each other massively together. So today we're very much in that Web1 world of energy. You know, we buy energy, we're told when we'll get it, how we'll get it, what we should pay for it. 
and we have no control over that. Now with on-site energy, we're starting to take some control of that. You know, here's the system I'm going to use, but I'm still sort of self-consuming. And then the Web3 equivalent of the energy transition will be, um, hey, Tamar, I think uh, I'm overproducing energy today, but I really like you. And I know you're, you haven't got the right uh, resources to be able to buy a battery yet. You know, do you, do you want to transact together and I'll give you a sweet deal on my energy and we start becoming prosumers and maybe we can donate energy or carbon credits to our local charity or business and making that real integrated community-based um, energy where we all thrive together because as we said at the beginning, energy is the lifeblood and with excess energy and it being used in the right way, we can actually achieve anything. You know, we can desalinate more water we can run schools 24 7 we can you know whatever we want to do um electric vehicle charging you know everything can be electrified but without actually having the right infrastructure we're at risk of creating something that breaks very quickly people get frustrated with it leads to bad outcomes and so i think the future is very exciting but it kind of needs those three core values we talked about up front to make sure we think about it in the right way be careful there with that uh, 24-7 for the schools. Don't give any principals or any teachers any ideas here. The students will not be too happy about that one. Yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're absolutely – I love how you, you, you made that segue and you made that comparison with Web3 because it's not really something that you think about. And even if you're not the most versed when it comes to energy, think about the web. Think about something that we've used almost every day since we could or since we were compatible. But think about how much it's evolved and adapted and, and just how much we talk about the AI now human AI, yeah. integrating it into so many systems and roles and responsibilities. So you are absolutely right. And it's definitely just something to to just be on the lookout for, but it's also something to get ahead of or, or just know. Or while, you know, while I feel like I didn't really know too much about it or wasn't really honed in on it, now is the time to do your research. Now is the time to book those demos and those consultations and meet with Gareth and his team just to really figure out what they can do for you. Because like he said, it's not really a selling point here. It's more so that you may not even know what you're doing, what your exactly the profitability you may if, if he sits down with you and he shows you how you can make some more money though or save some more money at that, I bet you I bet you you'd be all ears, all out, you know, everything of the sort. So Exactly. And these savings aren't insignificant either. You know, we just did an assessment for a a winery in California and uh, they're able to save like four hundred grand a year on a one point two million dollar um, energy bill. Um, and reduce their emissions by like 40% and then ride through an outage because they are they have their power turned off quite a lot by their local utility as a result of wildfires. And you can imagine for a winery, they've grown grapes all year round. They get into crushing season, which is actually peak wildfire season. The last thing they want to do is lose all their product because the power goes off. So the opportunities are immense for businesses. Like They're, they're really exciting. And uh, yeah, you you spot on. I love it. I love it, man. It's it's something to consider. And like he said, but we're talking big businesses. I talk to a lot of serial entrepreneurs, startups, business owners, people who you know have have reached a certain level of funding or investing or anything of the sort. And these are things to think about. We talk so much on the podcast just about self reflection, self realization, how each year. Everything has to change. How you're not going to enter the same fiscal year or business yeah. year the same way you end. Even by quarters, things change. So it's just like add that now to your business regimen or to your reflection or realization regimen. Think about energy and think about what you're putting out. Think about what you're taking in, transferring anything of the sort. And it never really hurts to have a conversation. So now, Gareth, before we give people all the information as far as where they can find you, where they can learn more, 
all this research because I feel like I need to go through some more research. I just need to learn. There's so much you just taught me today. But do you feel like there's anything that we have not touched on today? Even any last words that you want to leave for other business owners, entrepreneurs out there? You gave us an outlook into the future. So I think you really tapped into that. But anything you feel like that we haven't honed in today, anything that you feel like would be useful to people coming across this episode? I'd say for the entrepreneurs out there, certainly how do we make energy fun, interesting and really understandable? You know, no one knows what a kilowatt hour is or nor should they. But when we think about it in terms of gamifying it, of how do we make more money or save more money and how do we save the planet? How do we reduce emissions? All this stuff's super awesome, but we don't think about it in the right way. So I'd encourage anyone who's got that entrepreneurial edge to think about how we make this a really exciting industry instead of a, a bunch of um, old stuck in the mud stodges. Um, and I'd be excited to work with you. So reach out um, on the business leader side of it. You know, there's winners and losers with any, any transition and the energy transition is no different. And I'd say the last thing you want to do is find yourself on the losing end of it, where you're losing customers because you can't meet their emission reduction targets. You are uncompetitive because your costs have gone up too much. Um, or you, your business loses power for a few days and that, that knocks you out or sets you back. And so, you know, get on the front foot, be on the winning side of the transition. And to your point, Tamara, like, at least explore it. It may not be right today, but that's the opportunity is let's make sure we get your information in the system, we assess it. And if it's not right today, we will tell you and we'll come back to you when it is the right time. Um, so, yeah, it's a dynamic market and things are changing very quickly. And, so we need to make sure we've all got our finger on the pulse. Well said and well said. And, and y'all, the, the fact that he's just so willing, him and the team are willing to have these conversations, willing to just put things in front of you, willing to give you different scenarios and map it out. I wouldn't shy away from that because even as he just spoke about it, his last reply, it may not be for you today. That's quite all right. But you learn something new, Sarah. You learn maybe what you could do or what you guys could start doing so that when the time does come and it's time to pull that trigger, it's no questions asked. We've, we've ran through everything. We've dotted every I. We've crossed every T and we made it happen. So now, Gareth, in order to facilitate these conversations, in order for people to now take the ball and do something with it that's in their court, these call to actions, what's the best places to reach you and the team, website, everything like that, social media, give us everything you got. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Vector.com, so V-E-C-K-T-A.com is a great resource. We've got lots of good blog content, great newsletters, lots of uh, good podcast articles like this. So check it out if you want to upskill yourself and learn about the transition. And then you can book your demos and stuff there as well. Um, LinkedIn was very active there as well as Twitter. And for me personally, yeah, check out my LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to catch me. Uh, Gareth Evans at Vector. All right, y'all. So y'all heard it here. Y'all learned more about the energy transition today. Y'all learned how we related to Web3. Y'all learned how we can be better prepared. You learned how there are different alternatives, how solar may be one, but that's not the end all be all. And really about finding what works best for you, what works best for your company, what works best for operations and business. So Gareth, to you and the team, I mean, I have to just commend you guys and I have to take my hat off in this case. My imaginary hat to everything that y'all are doing just to, you know, bring awareness and, and really just make change and really just think about that future and staying ahead of that curve and, and really just making a difference. Sustainability is so important. As you said, it's something that we it, it's utilizing everything that we do. Energy is all around us. So the fact that you guys are, even as you touched on too, thinking of it from a different perspective, having fun with it, I really do enjoy that just the same because it's not something that somebody can just sit down and you may want to hear a presentation about. 
But if it's interactive, if it's teaching me something, if I can use real life scenarios, even plug your business in in the process, it's all that meets the eye. So whatever we can do over at Down the Business to support you, we will definitely continue to do that. I'm calling out all my followers, my startups, my businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, everybody. Let's get those conversations started. Let's get that research going and rolling. And let's just think about the future, man. Five to 10 years ago, we didn't know what was going to happen, but we're here now. So let's not wait another five to 10 to act on something when we could be making daily and slow, but short changes just like that. So Gareth, Thank you so much to everybody listening, to everybody who taps in with us, came across this episode in some capacity. We love you. We appreciate you. This has been another episode of the Down to Business podcast. Here with Tamar Turner.